Amen. Psalm chapter 144, we'll pick up where we left off last week. And um, we had tremendous church this weekend and grateful for all that the Lord has done. And uh, know many of you, of course, various circumstances couldn't make it. Uh, but but um, whatever the circumstance that prevented you from being in the house of the Lord, whether it be sickness or, you know, whatever it is, I'm glad that many of you are here tonight. And we're, we've been praying for you, amen. We don't, we don't take it lightly when folks are missing from the house of the Lord, and uh, we feel it. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight, amen, but your absence was felt, and uh, so, amen. God bless you, and thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord. Psalm chapter 144, verse 1 through 2, and then we'll also do Psalms 18, verse 34, but starting with Psalm 144, verse 1. A psalm of David, blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower, and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. And then Psalms 18, verse 34. Psalmist writes... He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken in my arms, by mine arms. Amen. Why don't we lay down our Bibles tonight and ask the Lord to help us um, in this service. Let his will be accomplished before we leave this place. Amen. Let's all pray together. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Dear Lord, that I might hinder what you are trying to accomplish. Hallelujah. Pray that every heart and every mind come hungry, God, that you would feed us, that you would speak to us, that you would touch us. God, I love you, Savior. I thank you, Master. That's it. Why don't we just begin to love the Lord? Why don't we just magnify him one more time before we're seated? I love you. I praise you. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And you can be seated tonight in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Briefly, I want to um, try to review a little bit of what we covered last week, and, and I do intend on making this um, as efficient as possible. I just want to hit some of the highlights, bring to your mind the things that we talked about last week, and then see if we can make any more headway. Um, you, know, I, you know, I don't take lightly the, this office, this uh, responsibility is probably the better term to uh, during this time while pastor is out. I'm, I, I hope that's evident to each of you. And so I'm giving it all that I've got. And I'm hoping that um, I will receive likewise, that, that everybody here would give it all they've got. Amen. This, the spirit of the Lord that was in this place tonight is evidence of the mindset of this church collectively. And I'm grateful for that. Amen. And um, I'm also aware of the time. We've, it's 8 o'clock, and we're going to do our best to get out of here by 9 o'clock so that way things don't get too cold and, and too, more, too much more treacherous for every one of us. But um, so, so with that in mind, let's see what we can accomplish tonight. Amen. Um, want to instruct this church, and this has not come from me. Uh, firstly, I think it comes from the Lord. I think the Lord laid this on my heart before Pastor left town or went on sabbatical, he's not technically out of town, so that's why I keep correcting myself when I make that statement, but he will be 
uh, here pretty soon. But, um, but not only do I believe it was the Lord, but pastor confirmed it before he left, uh, before he went on sabbatical. And, and, he, um, and he gave some of his notes to me to help me uh, study. You could actually go back and listen to what he preached, some of the notes that I'm referring to tonight. Uh, back in 2020, of, uh, the, the title of the series is uh, Learning to Make War. And I myself have gone back to listen to parts and pieces of it. Um, and, and there's another, another series lesson that we'll make reference to tonight that he preached just this last year in July, at the end of July, in the beginning part of August, which I've spent, you know, I've listened to the entire series. And I highly recommend that, you know, if you feel uh, up to it, that you go and uh, take the time to listen to it. It's only probably about two and a half hours of listening, you know, collectively combined. And so, um, and so it's, it's worth the listen because Pastor came fervently and with a heavy burden to the church and uh, declared that he felt like it was a time of war. And that was just this uh, past summer, at the end of this last summer. And I believe that the Lord confirmed not only through that series of lessons, but also, again, Pastor told me specifically that he felt like going into this new year that we would be entering a time of war. And so that's where, um, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm coming from, and I have all confidence that I'm in the will of the Holy Ghost and what I'm sharing with you tonight. But I hope, you know, the Lord has to work through me um, unless he gives you guys a vision or a divine, you know, a dream or anything like that. And, and so uh, if he does, let me know. It'd be great. But, uh, but if that doesn't happen, he's got he's to work through me or whoever's standing in this pulpit to, to um, issue uh, instruction and direction and help and, and, and help this church. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to accomplish tonight. Um, we talked about last week by way of introduction that uh, the, the battle and the attack of the Amalekites on the Israelites as they left the land of Egypt. We started with Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. The Bible tells us that then Amalek and uh, then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. We discussed how Amalek was among the descendants of Esau, according to Genesis 36 and 13, and that it was in their nature to attack those who were feeble, those who were the most vulnerable. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 25, verse 18, that they smote the hindmost of the children of Israel, or all that was feeble behind them, or when, that, when they were faint and weary. Amen. We learned that because of this nature, the, the, the method, the tactics of the enemy that attacked the children of Israel, that the Lord uh, spoke very clearly. It made the Lord angry, and he spoke very clearly that he would destroy them from under heaven. Heaven and not to forget what they had done to the children of Israel. And the battle at Rephidim was the first battle that the Israelites encountered after they were, elite, were released from bondage from Egypt. And I think, it's, I think it's a type and a shadow. Many times in the Old Testament, as many of you know, that the Old Testament is a type, a schoolmaster. It teaches us, uh, f- teaches us what we can know about our spiritual walk and, and some of the physical or literal encounters that occurred. We can gain a, a spiritual insight from those stories. Uh, stories and those uh, the, those illustrations in the Old Testament. And so that's what I want to take from this, the attack of the Amalekites who, who targeted specifically those who are vulnerable and feeble um, is, is an indicator to us that the enemy, the enemy of our souls, when we come, and are, come to the house of the Lord and when we initially pray through to the gift of the Holy Ghost, when we receive uh, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, being set free from the bondage of sin, which Egypt 
typifies uh, that the enemy of our soul will come in uh, in those moments when we're most vulnerable, when we're most feeble, when we don't know enough, when we don't know that much, and then the enemy will attack us from the hindmost. And, and he uses other tactics that we'll discuss, but he'll try to separate us from others. He'll try to, to, to weave his way in using our minds, using uh, words that others have said, and try to separate us uh, from the pack. And so it's, it's so that we are more feeble and more uh, weak and more vulnerable for his uh, evil plans. Hallelujah. Amen. But it was at the beginning of this battle that Moses issued a mandate to Joshua. And he said, Joshua, I'm going up on the hill. And Joshua, I've got a command for you. I've got a requirement. I've got some responsibilities for you to take care of. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 9, Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Amen. Before Bishop left, he issued me this simil- a similar mandate, and I intend to carry it out. That we have a good that we have good church. That we don't just come to the house of the Lord and and just try to make it. And I, if he were to come back right now, Brother Hall, I would have good reports for him because we have had tremendous church every time we've assembled under this roof. Amen. The glory of God has entered this place. Amen. And it isn't by circumstance. It isn't by happenstance. But it's because the children of God came to the house of God with purpose. Hallelujah. Prayers come up. Worship goes up. And the Bible tells us that when we praise, His glory will come down and meet with us. Amen. The Bible also tells us, uh, amen, that He inhabits the praises uh, of His people. Hey, friend, if you're going through, uh, amen, a personal struggle, you're going through something uh, at your home or at your job, uh, amen, why don't you slip away uh, into a quiet room and just begin to give the Lord uh, some praise. I'm telling you, His glory, His presence, Amen. We'll meet with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Same is true when we come to the house of God. Amen. If we things begin to bind up and tighten down a little bit, all it takes is a good, faithful woman of God or a good man of God to step out of their pew or lift up their voice or lift up their hands, and, and then we start to feel it. Hallelujah, as the glory of God begins to break through, amen, the bondage of sin and chains once bound. Hallelujah. Amen. Child of God, let me tell you something. Amen. The service that you prayed through in or or the home that you prayed through in is not solely due to your spirituality or your work with God, but there was somebody somewhere, amen, praising or praying for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're not just going to slide by. We're not going to just barely make it to the end of these, this period of time. Amen. Matter of fact, 2024 is going to be the best year of the truth church's history. Oh, I'll say that again. I said 2024 is going to be the best year at the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas. 
Hey, we're going to see a deluge. We're going to see an outpouring of God's spirit. Hallelujah. God wants to do it, church. You hear me. Amen. God wants to pour his spirit out. Amen. Upon all flesh. Amen. He prophesied that. He told us, amen, if you're going to be a part of my church, I want to pour my spirit out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't take, uh, doesn't take uh, anything, any spiritual uh, uh, prophet. or, or it, it just takes reading your Bible and you'll, you'll see, amen, that promise from the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. But when pastor gets home and is back in the saddle, I want, I want to be in a position to where we could just take off. Amen. Where he just uh, steps back and, and he settles down. Amen. And every word, perhaps, or, or, or every service, uh, amen, we just keep climbing higher and higher. Amen. That we don't ever regress. That we don't ever, amen, even look back toward Egypt. But we keep on going, uh, amen, to the place uh, that the Lord promised us. Hallelujah. Amen. During this time, it is my commitment to both pastor and to this church that I will amen, remain in close contact with him amen, as often as possible to ensure that I don't drop the ball. Amen. I'm submitted to my man of God. I want to make sure that, that everything that I say, everything I do, amen, listen to me, church. Amen. The wise man, I quoted this scripture last week, but the wise man says in Ecclesiastes that the preacher sought to find out. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 10. I didn't realize I put it in here, so I did. So you can throw it up there on the wall. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, that which, uh, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. Amen. That's, that is my desire. I don't want to just get up here and scramble words together and make, make uh, uh, word soup, but I, I'm interested in accomplishing what the Holy Ghost wants to accomplish. Hallelujah. 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 Proverbs chapter 24, verse 5, jumping back a little bit, Brother Josh, the Bible says, a wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength, for by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. By wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And so I am I'm doing my very best. And the Bible says also in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Pastor is named amen, behind this pulpit and also to me in confidence the men that I can reach out to. Amen. A number of them are sitting on these pews right here in this sanctuary. Amen. And God and pastor, uh, not only pastor, but I think pastor in his, in his confidence in you is a representation of how God feels about some of you men in this congregation. And I alluded to this last week, but, but I, I, I mentioned how, how Joshua was, was instructed to choose our men he was chosen he was instructed to choose out men so that they could fight hallelujah and so it, it requires so again I'll, I'll hark it back thank you men for those of you who are willing to go the extra mile and make the uh, the parking lot a little bit safer for us and and clear out the road they didn't just clear out the parking lot they went all the way to the end of the street and uh because the city has somehow forgotten monticello terrace exists and so uh, so those guys took care of that, and I, I really appreciate it. Amen. But it's going to take men like that. Amen. Amen. Men like uh, the ones that are sitting on this pew. Amen. In faithful and diligent prayer and consecration, commitment, personal commitment between you and God. And we will see victory. Amen. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 17, verse 9. I'm sorry. We'll start with verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Amen. 
And then we can see in verse 13, Exodus chapter 17, verse 13, the Bible says that, and Joshua discomfited. The word discomfited means defeated or overthrew, or uh, it means to reduce someone to extreme physical weakness, to vanquish. They were severely beaten. They were, uh, they were severely beaten, but you can read later on in the scripture where they weren't totally annihilated, and, and Saul has to deal with them later on. And I don't want to get into all of that, but, but, but the Lord intended for this first battle with, the, with these enemies of the children of the Lord, I mean, that, that, that they, would, they would accomplish a great victory, that it wouldn't just be sort of a, you know, just kind of a, well, we barely, kind of like Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley last night, you know, by, fighting back and forth, and well, barely made it. Okay, that was a terrible analogy. Amen, but, but truly, like Donald Trump, Totally win. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. And then Lord help our country if, anyway. But Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, we mentioned this scripture on Sunday night. And uh, this was already in my notes for tonight. But I'm going to quote it anyway because I believe it's important for us to remember that Jesus said to the disciples, he said, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. Talking to Peter. He said, And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. So if you're part of the church, amen, we're going to win. Amen. And, um, and so this is where we get into the, the new stuff. We're going to skip a couple of these scriptures here, Brother Josh. But um, so, and you know, how many of you have read The Art of War by Sun Tzu? Okay. It's not a long book, but, um, and the only reason I reference it, I know Apostle Paul says the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but, uh, and we'll talk about that at some point, but, but, but there are some interesting concepts, and I am validated because uh, the, the Art of War is also in Pastor's notes that he was, uh, that he used to teach some of this as well. So, if you have a problem with it, you can take it up with the pastor. But it's a famous, it's a famous uh, military um, book for strategy, tactics. Um, it, it, it articulates various offensive strategy and defensive strategy. And, and it's, um, it was written back during the, the Warring States during the, in China. The, the Warring States period for during uh, in China, the author is believed to be a man by the name Sun Tzu, who was a Chinese general in the uh, for the Wu State, and um, the art of war has had tremendous influence on both Eastern and Western military strategy alike. But its influence doesn't stop with just military uh, influence, but it also ha- its concepts have have also had tremendous effects on businesses on legal uh, maneuvers and tactics, as well as just general lifestyle advice. People have used the principles that are in the maxims that are laid out within this simple, short book to, um, to identify some, some, some good principles to live by and, and, and then in those other areas that I mentioned. But I want to take some of these principles and not all of them we don't have time to go through all of them there's 13 chapters you can and it's it's a short book but it's it's uh and very concise but um but i just want to pull out some things i mean we could we could use it in it, honestly in one of two ways they they help us understand what good strategy might be and it also helps us 
get, gain insight into what the enemy might do to us. So it gives us a strategy to, on the offensive, but it also gives us insight as to how the enemy might attack us. Amen. If, in a couple of these examples of how the enemy might attack us directly from this, I'm quoting here, if your enemy is in superior strength, evade him. And that's what the devil does. The devil, he doesn't like to show up when, when the Lord is present. He likes to come in those moments, in those quiet moments in, in your mind and, and drop a lie here or, or come. And, and so he's evading that superior strength. And if your opponent is temperamental, you seek to irritate them. I'll just leave that one out there. You can use that one and interpret however you want to. Um, he pretends to be weak. And then uh, that he may grow arrogant. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I know I have. Amen. And uh, if, he's, if, if, if the enemy is taking their ease, don't give them any rest. The enemy certainly does that. He takes advantage of us when we're tired and when we're weak. Amen. If his forces are united, if the enemy's forces are united, then separate them. Bring division. If sovereign and subject are in accord, put division between them. And this is not just unity within the troops, but it's, it's unity between the troops and their leadership. Unity between the troops and the quote-unquote sovereign is, is the term he used. Amen. God is our sovereign, so the enemy wants to separate us from him. Amen. And then attack where the enemy is unprepared or appear where you are not expected. The enemy does each and each of these things. And uh, Pastor Riggin, when he was teaching on the lesson, learning to make war in August of 2022, he made this statement. He said, when it comes to spiritual warfare, the best and, in fact, the only book that truly teaches the art of how to make war is, of course, the Bible. Jesus used it as a defense mechanism against the devil. And Paul identified it as the sword of the spirit which can be used as both a defense and an offense, in both defense and offense. However, since, since Bishop made reference to some of Sue's max, maxims, as I just enumerated above, I'm going to, I'm going to make reference to, his, um, to some of these as well. And I've chosen out three of them, and we're going to try to cover them in the next 34 minutes. But he said uh, the first one, out of he, he he selected he hand selected this is Sue, Sue that he selected five what he called essentials of winning or essentials for winning, and I chose three of them. The other two, honestly, I don't feel like were extremely relevant. So um, you can go read it for yourself if you want to. But I'm going to choose three since I've got the microphone. I get to you know do that. But just kidding. Uh, the first one is his first of the five essentials for winning, and it says. He will win who knows when to fight and when not to fight. The second one that I want to bring to your attention, and we'll go through each of these again in just a minute, but is he will win whose army is animated by the same spirit throughout all its ranks. And then the third is he will win who prepared himself, waits to take the enemy unprepared. Amen. We're going to get through hopefully the first two of these tonight, and then next week we'll pick up on the third one. If we don't get through the first two, that's fine. We'll stop whatever when the, when the time is up or when the Holy Ghost stops us. But um, so let's let's look at this first one: knowing when to fight. 
knowing when to fight and when not to. Sun Tzu said he will win. He will. It's not a matter of whether or not he could or it's, he has a greater potential. But in, in Sue's experience and all the battles that he's waged and all the wars that he's been a part of as the general in the state of Wu, he's made this determination that he will win if he knows when to pick his battles. If he knows which battles to fight in and which battles not to fight in. The wise man in Ecclesiastes tells us, of course, that there is a certainly a time for fighting. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. We know the passage of Scripture to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. And then let's skip down to verse 8. He says, a time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Amen. And while we should all desire peace, amen, and, and I, I do believe we should all desire peace, it's simply not the most realistic desire to have for all of time. Amen. As a, an American child, I grew up in a nation and had the privilege of living in a semi-peaceful period of time. Amen. Certainly here in America, protected amen, by, by American forces from, from the enemy. The only attack that I really remember that affected me personally was on September 11th. Amen. And we began a uh, an seemingly eternal war as a result of that. Amen. But that was the only one. And really, the city of New York was the only one impacted, the only area, region that was impacted by that war. I never felt it personally. Amen. So I enjoyed, amen, most of my life. I have enjoyed most of my life, amen, in a peaceful, in a peaceful state. Amen. But I want to, uh, you know, it, I think it's true, and at, at least to simply say this, that, that we are entering a time, amen, and the scripture tells us of times where wars and rumors of wars are going to come amen and as the days progress I fear if I could say it that way that we are entering amen into those times amen there's an old maxim that many of us have heard hard times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men and weak men create hard times amen I believe that as a young man amen growing up in easy times Amen. Good times, if you will. Amen. We've reached a place where we have some of the weakest men known to the history of mankind. Amen. We're dealing with people. Amen. They're most concerned about their feelings, their emotions, how hungry they are throughout the day. And they're not concerned about their families and, and putting food on the table for their families and protecting themselves. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And while I'm reminiscing tonight, I, I might just point out that I've grown up in a church that uh, part of the Pentecostal movement and uh, the, somewhat of the opposite has been true. I, I've grown up knowing some who've kind of glamorized spiritual warfare. They've, they've turned it into something of an entertainment sport that... That you, that you come and here are the, here's the protocol and you've got to do this and do that. Otherwise, you're lost and you're dying and you're going to hell. 
You've got certain requirements in order to make it through a standard service. I'm grateful for a man of God with such delicate balance as our pastor. Amen. Who, who's taught us the ways of truth. Amen. Carefully. Amen. Without, without the fear of man's faces. Amen. But again, without the fear of man's faces. That can go one of two ways where the, the, the fear and the, it's popular to, to become hard and crass and preach truth in a, in a, in a hurtful and a painful way but on the other side you can uh, have you can have a uh, have it too soft and, and and not have the appropriate times of uh, of pricking as as it were as it's demonstrated throughout scripture and I'm grateful for a man of God who's sensitive enough to the spirit of God to know what time it is hallelujah to know the times of peace to know the times for war amen and his pastor was teaching a time of war just this last year. He made this statement, we all hope for, we all pray for, and we all desire peace. At least we should. This is pastor still speaking. He said, I have met a few people in my life that it seems like the more I want peace, the angrier they got. I've met a few folks like that in my 63 years on this earth. I didn't, it didn't matter how much you tried to rectify how much you tried to make them happy. War was the only thing that they understood. He quoted the scripture at this time of Psalm 120 verse 7. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And while it's important to know that there is, in fact, a time of war, it's also important to note that not always is the time for war. Amen. Uh, Sun Tzu said in the art of war, there is no instance of a nation benefiting from prolonged warfare. There's no case, he said, ever, whether you're on the winning side or you're on the losing side, that prolonged warfare brought good. Anytime warfare was extended unnecessarily, both sides suffered. You can think about the war, uh, in a, uh, a more modern war, that war between U Ukraine and Russia. How, how many of these young men have died? How many of these young men have been uh, uh, squashed in the, the war machine and, and they, they, their moms have lost sons and daughters? For what? To what end? The lines haven't moved that much. There hasn't been a lot of gain from either side. Just destruction and death. Amen. And we, we can take a look at some of the wars America has been a part of in the last, and I don't want to get too bogged down here, but in Afghanistan, for more than 20 years of, of fighting, and, and I give respect to all of those. I, I know many who, who serve in the military, and I don't want to uh, minimize their impact and their service. Many of them do it out of a genuine heart uh, for service to this country. Amen. But I, and I don't want to minimize that or overlook it. But really, it's the responsibility of those men who are giving counsel to war and requiring this of these young men, requiring it of them. And it's an ignorance of the highest order in our government. And, um, and so, after 20 years of, of intense battle and warfare, we leave Afghanistan and pretty much in the same state that we found it. Some of the same folks that were in power before now retain control. 
Amen. It doesn't defend. It doesn't benefit the defending state and it doesn't benefit the offending state. To maintain prolonged war, there must not be much offense going on. You, you can't have progress in a prolonged war. You can't. Otherwise, the war will end. It's more of a maintenance machine. They're, they're defending uh, strategic uh, areas that are, that are perceived to have value by both sides. And so... Uh, uh, so I want to apply that spiritually, Amen. Tonight, that 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 we can't uh, we can't sustain a prolonged as a church. We can't sustain uh, sustain a prolonged spiritual warfare, Amen. We can only take so much, if you will, Amen. Us as children of God, Amen. There is a time for peace, uh, and there is a time for war, Amen. And I'm here to tell the truth, church, uh, Amen. By instruction of our pastor, Amen. That now is a time of war. While we are in this war, we need to understand that not every bad thing that happens in life is an attack of the enemy. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and send rain on, sendeth rain on the just and on the just, unjust. Just because you woke up and it's cold outside, just because the ground is slippery, just because your engine won't start, just because you have a flat, doesn't mean that it was the enemy. Could just be life and circumstance. And I know some of that has happened to really all of us since we're all living in the same area with the cold, but, but some of the other items that I mentioned. And so don't go, uh, you know, finding a devil under every bush. But we do need to have discernment. We do need to walk carefully. Pastors, less than a time for war. And man, I'm almost to where I want to be, so we're getting there. Um, but... Uh, he said he made this statement, and I quote, but as much as I want peace, as much as I desire peace, I do recognize that sometimes there's really a time of war. There really is a time of war. That time of war not only exists, but is sometimes in the perfect plan of God. God ordains certain times of war. And he goes on to say, and in the same way that you can't reap when it's time to plant, You'll never have peace when it's time for war. I think some of us come, and you just have to forgive me. I'm not you're pinning this on anybody. I'm just doing what I feel the Holy Ghost led me to do as preparing for the service. But some of us come to church, and, and we anticipate certain things to be said. We anticipate certain um, occurrences to happen throughout the service. And so when that happens, like, ah, see there? I knew, it. I knew that was going to happen. And so that minimizes what's happening in the spirit world. So we really have the opposite effect. Many times we're looking under uh, throughout the day, oh, wow, the devil, uh, he's really fighting me today. I, I stubbed my toe on the, on, the, on the couch on my way out the door. Man, it's hurting so bad. It's affected my entire day. And then the other side, we come to church, and when the devil really is affecting the service, really is attacking, we overlook him and say, well, that's just brother so-and-so, or that's just sister so-and-so. So we need to know the difference. We need to understand what time it is. What, when is time for war? When is time for fighting? And when is time for peace? I mean, with, with all of those caveats in place, 
um, as, as I mentioned, I recognize it's not always good to be engaged in warfare. But I also recognize that there certainly is time for war. And under the direction of God, as I, as I have already mentioned, under the request and at the request of pastor, I want to issue the request as Joshua did to the children of Israel. Let's go fight. Let's go fight. I mean, last week, I felt the power of the Holy Ghost. This weekend, over, over the, uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night, what glory we felt. This, this house was full of the glory of God. Even tonight in worship, it was in the... You know why? Because some folks came to the house of God intending to do some fighting. Willing to, willing to lay themselves aside. See, yeah, I've got work tomorrow. And yeah, it's cold outside. And yeah, there are other things on my agenda. But right now is time to fight. Right now is time to go to church. Right now is time to have good church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, thank you. I give you a heartfelt thank you. I appreciate it because it makes it so much easier. So that was the first one. The first one is knowing when to fight. I mean, the second one is the unity of the spirit. Sun Tzu, quoting from The Art of War, said, He will win, again, he will win, whose army is animated by the same spirit throughout all its ranks. What is that spirit? Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <laughs> Hallelujah. When we get together, Brother Carter, in the Spirit of the Lord, not just a, a, it's not a logistical thing, it's not a, but it's a spiritual thing. When we come together in one mind and one accord, amen, the Spirit of God, amen, begins to be, quote unquote, animated, as Sun Tzu says, throughout our ranks. And, and we feel it over here and we feel it over, and prayers begin to be answered. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. If now is the time to fight, then friend, we ought to realize that we're not going to do it on our own. Amen. That we need first and foremost His Spirit. Hallelujah. If we're going to be engaged in spiritual warfare, amen, it should then become obvious that we must take on the Spirit of God. Amen. We can't do it in our carnal imagination. Amen. Paul tells us, cast down imaginations. Hallelujah. 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 And not only do we need the Spirit of God, hallelujah, but we need one another. We need one another. Amen. If we're going to make this, if we are going to walk in the Spirit of the Lord, we need to walk together in the Spirit of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Everybody say the vocation. Every one of us have an individual gift and calling from God. 
Every one of us have a very specific purpose and design by God, not by me, not by, not by uh, even pastor, not by your, your team leader, Sister Jasmine, Brother, brother Nelson, Brother, uh, uh, my dad, or anybody, anybody else that's on the leadership. It's, it has nothing to do with who we think should be in this position or that position. Those are, those are practical vocations, but those aren't spiritual vocations. Those aren't the vocations that I'm talking about. Amen. What, there are some vocations that require this church family together to pray. Amen. That we walk worthy of that vocation. Amen. That we worship. That we go on outreach. That we witness and share this good truth with all that will hear it. He goes on to say, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. And then he concludes it by saying, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Hallelujah. Amen. If we're going to walk, amen, worthy of this vocation, we have to do it with lowliness, with meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another, amen, carrying one another, helping one another. Hallelujah. In love, amen, endeavoring to keep the unity. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And that's how we'll secure the bond of peace is through the unity of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. If we all walk according to our individual vocations and callings and gifts unified in the Spirit, then we will ultimately find the peace that we desire. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. I'm trying to get there, church. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Many of us, uh, amen, can quote the oneness scriptures. Uh, we can quote the scriptures that provide salvation, revelation to those. Uh, amen. But do we understand, uh, amen, how? How important it is to be bound together. Hallelujah. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That would cause me, amen, to take pause when I start to judge this one or that one in the church because he or she, amen, has the Spirit of God in them. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, but unto every one of us is given grace. Hallelujah, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. What is this grace for? Grace is to accomplish what God wants us to do. He's given each of us a measure of the gift of, of Christ. He's given each of us a measure, a part of what, what did Jesus accomplish when he was on earth? He established the church. I mean, he built a kingdom for himself. Hallelujah. And then he imparted some of those gifts. I mean, through the power. I mean, that, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I mean, he said, all power in heaven and earth belongs to me. I mean, he said, I need this power. I mean, to be able to establish my church. And I'm going to entrust it to these men, these 12 men who begin. Amen. Wonderful churches throughout Asia and throughout um, the Middle East and, and all of these things. And each of them were operating on the grace that was given to them. 
Hallelujah. And that same power, amen, that same measure, amen, exists in each and every one of us. God's given us grace. Hallelujah. Each one of us are given a special grace to complete what God wants us to do in his kingdom. If one of us is unable to fulfill our duties, then the rest of the church will suffer. But if we, through the Spirit of God, fulfill our respective duties, then we will be bound together in the bond of peace. It's according to the measure. <laughs> it's according to the measure that God gives us. You say, well, why does this person take you so long? It's because God just given this. It's, it's different. You focus on your grace. You focus on your measure. You focus on your part of the, of the body of Christ, of the gift of Christ. You focus on what you're supposed to be doing and, and let pastor worry about this one or that one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If one of us, amen, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm falling behind here. It's according to the measure of, it's according to the measure of every part. maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, From whom the whole body fitly framed, uh, joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Oh, I, I don't have enough time, amen, to, to slow down. Maybe we'll just come back after spiritual warfare, Brother Hall, and we'll talk about unity. This is a good, that's a good one. I like this. Amen. There's a lot of stuff here. Amen. That, that, that the Lord gave each and every one of us, every joint has a, has a supply. Every joint has value. Every person has, that's a part of this church, amen, has a gift. Hallelujah. Where was I? That was Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Well, actually, I'm just doing verse 16, my bad. Yes, verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joining, joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Amen. Apostle Paul demonstrates in his own letter, as Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome, he makes this statement, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, for I say, through the grace given unto me, I wouldn't have the ability to even pen these words if God didn't give me the grace to do it. I'm the Apostle Paul because God gave me the grace to be Apostle Paul. He goes on to say, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Goes on to say in verse 4, for as for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. And everyone members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, just reinforcing and emphasizing what I, I've already communicated to you, whether it's prophecy, let us prophesy. According to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our, on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, that he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. There's, there's an opening for everybody. There's a need for everybody. 
Hallelujah. There's a grace for everybody. Amen. God is willing, amen, to have the true church in full-blown operation here in the here in the Olathe and Kansas City metropolitan area. He doesn't want us limping along in 2024. He wants to use every individual. Hallelujah. Because he's got something he wants to do. I said it in the first lesson, a good a good defense, I mean, the best defense is a good offense. We want to make progress. I mean, we've got to work together, use the grace that God has given to us. Don't be hesitant. Don't be intimidated. Don't be shy. Step out in faith. I talked a little bit about this on Sunday. Amen. If you weren't here and didn't have a chance to listen, you ought to go back and listen to it. The Holy Ghost really moved in this place and ministered to some of us. Amen. If you are worried or you're struggling or wrestling in your mind or in your heart about, man, I don't know if I can do it. I don't, amen. Go back and listen to that because God's going to give you grace. God's going to give you the ability, amen, to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. I'll just read the scripture in passing. Uh, Apostle Paul reminds Timothy of the gift that's inside of him. So wherefore I, re- I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands for God hath not given us a spirit of fear but a power and of love and a sound mind. It's a, amen. It's the spirit of God only that can facilitate this unity. Pastors talked about the unity of the spirit and the spirit of unity. He talked about the difference there and, and I don't have time to get into all of that but it's important that we understand that, that we need to be in the unity of the spirit. We need to be in the unity of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost to bring us together. That we, we, that's why it's so important to have pre-service prayer, that we put out all the distractions, all the things that are weighing on us, the weights of the sin that does so easily beset us. Paul said, let's, let's run, let's go, let's do what God has called us to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am hurrying. I am doing my best. Hallelujah. Jesus prayed that they would all be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. Wow, that's unity. That's John chapter 17, verse 21. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm going to skip through some of this. Amen. Sister Tori, I mean, you can come. I got six minutes. I'm doing good. If we are going to fight, then I don't want to just fight for the sake of fighting. I want to win. I don't want to just, I'm, that's too much work. <laughs> too much energy. I don't know if, uh, I grew up, uh, you know, honestly, as I was considering working out this message, uh, and honestly, the series, before I began working on I I was thinking, how in the world am I going to get up at the True Church of Lady and teach on spiritual warfare? I mean, really. But then the Lord reminded me, I think it was the Lord that reminded me, the countless hours that I've spent with Bishop in prayer and warfare. And many of you who've been a part of this church for any number of years, you've been in those same prayer meetings with me. And those of you who have not, I think this is an opportunity for us to come together in unity and learn our parts in this war. To work together and understand where I should be. Should I be over here? Should I be over here? How, how should I swing? How should we work together? I don't want to accidentally uh, cause any friendly fire, anything like I want to have success. I want to have victory. Amen. Pastor said, 
in his lesson on learning to make war, he says, I do not want to just fight. I want to win. I did my best to channel pastor there. for. <laughs> he said, I don't want to just fight. I want to win. I want to win. And then if we are not, we are not fighting, church. We are not fighting because we enjoy the thrill of wielding swords or hearing the clanging of metal as it goes against one another. And then we, we have a task to do. We have a commission by God himself. When Jesus left this earth, he gave it to his disciples. He said, go. Hallelujah. I don't have time to get into all this. Amen. But while I believe, uh, amen, while I believe that it might be true, uh, amen, for some that, that might enjoy or have the thrill of, 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 the, of the war, the clanging metal, and, and being in the, on the battlefield, uh, I don't think that's necessarily the case for everybody that's here tonight. Amen. So if we're going to fight, why don't we just win? Hallelujah. Amen. We're not going to fight for the sake of fighting. We don't come to church just so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, I feel pretty good about my. No. Amen. We've come to win. We've come to go on offense. We've come against the enemy. Amen. We're going to fight. Joshua, choose you out men to fight against Amalek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, you can begin to play. Amen, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Amen, Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? <laughs> Don't you know that there's only one winner? If we're going to race, if we're going to, this is not a Saturday morning jog. This is not, uh, you, you can exercise on your own time, but this is not exercise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So if we're going to run, I don't want to be in the middle of the pack. I don't want to be at the back of the pack. I want to be at the front. I want to obtain that prize. He says, so run that ye may obtain. And every man striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Hallelujah. Paul chose a familiar reference to illustrate this important point. You could be seated for a second. I'm almost finished. When we run a race, there is one that will win. Therefore, we should not just enter the race and run for the sake of running, but we should run to win. He continues this and says that they're, they're running so they can win that corruptible crown, but we and incorruptible. Jesus identifies or touches on the subject in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says, Lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt 
and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, there will your heart be also. Hallelujah. Have you ever heard the saying, you got to put your heart into it? You've got to put your heart into it. Amen. It comes from one who is watching another and he sees them perhaps giving, you know, they're just, they're doing it. I remember one time, this is, I'm sorry for the personal story, but I remember one time taking off a tire. And you know how those lug nuts, they can get pretty tight, <laughs> especially if they've not been, especially if they've been rusted, you know. And I had, you know, we didn't have those fancy impact wrenches. My dad's got an air one now, but back then, either he didn't have it or he didn't let me have it. But, so I had this four-way, and I'm trying to get this tire off. First of all, I had it suspended, so I'd let it down, and then take it off. But as I'm rotating, I'm not making any progress. And I'm just wirely, I don't even know how old I am, just a wiry little kid. And past, uh, dad comes over and he goes, Jared, you gotta put your you gotta put some elbow grease into it. And I'm like, I thought I was giving it elbow grease. But it, after a few more efforts, and with the help of a, you know, one of those things that go longer, what are they called? What? A cheater bar, thank you. I don't, I don't know all the technical terms. But anyway, I got it. But I had to put a little bit more effort into it than I was originally giving. I had to put some thought into it, some thinking. Jesus, in this passage, when, when, he's, when he's dealing with the subject of our corruptible uh, treasures or our incorruptible treasures, he tells us that, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. There will, there will your heart be also. When you're watching that person that is doing whatever it is, for in my case, taking off the tire, dad realized, hey, he's missing something. It wasn't just the cheater bar. It was because I'm, I was a weak, weak pipsqueak. And so he's, Jared, you need to try a little harder. Don't just, you know, give it a little shake, but give it some oomph. Do, do it. Don't just act like you're, do it. Get it done. And Jesus is identifying for us what is missing when we don't put heart into it. You know what it is? It's where we allocate our value. If, if we put more value at, you know, the things at home, or which it's important to have, you know, obviously don't discount other things that you, the responsibilities that are at home. Or, or work, and again, don't discount those but if the, if the church is not high enough on that value list, if your treasure isn't here in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom that is to come, then your heart won't be in there. You're not going to put the effort that is needed. But if you value the things of God, that's where your heart's going to be. I don't want victory at the cost 
of others. David said it this way. He said, I'm not, he goes, I don't want to give the Lord an offering of something that doesn't cost me anything, nothing. I'm going to pay for this. And that's, I, that's the way I feel tonight. I don't want just victory. But I want victory because I put in the effort. I've got a lot more here. I'm trying to draw this to a close. Can I just read this quick quote? I know it's 9.03. I've got a lot more here. Patrick Henry in Mar March 23 of 1775 addressing the House of Burgesses in Virginia, the Second Virginia Convention. Many of us know this. But he began the final paragraph in his speech. And the purpose of the speech was because Great Britain and America was starting to their little fusses and, and the enemy is coming in. And now Virginia's trying to turn, hey, are we going to fight or not? You know, what are we going to do here? So Patrick Henry steps up to the podium and said, gentlemen, uh, he goes, it is vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. It's time for war. He said, the war is actually begun. I don't care what you guys decide, it's already begun. Whether we contribute to this war or not, it's, there are already skirmishes, there's already fights. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Henry's speech is often credited with convincing the Virginia House of Burgesses to pass a resolution delivering Virginian troops to the Revolutionary War. In closing, if we all stand together, Paul's metaphor to the Corinthians saying, if you're going to run, you better run. But he changed the metaphor, and we read it just a minute ago. Talked about running, but he didn't stop there. In verse 26, he said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. Then he goes, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. Apostle Paul is saying, this is, not, this is not a practice round. I'm not just working on my, my, my strength or my form here. I'm not just beating the air. I'm certain. I'm confident. I'm working so that I can obtain that crown. I'm fighting so that I can win. The Lord promised us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. I don't care what you're facing, child of God. I don't care what you're going home to. I don't care what strongholds have prevailed in your life. You've got the weapons to fight. Why don't we lift our hands up to the Lord tonight? Ask the Lord to strengthen us before we leave this place.